podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the Leeds That Podcast. It's a very quick bonus interview with Bryn Law all about the experience of commentating on Leeds United during these weird behind-closed-doors fixtures as Leeds United became champions. Paul spoke to him sorry, just before Huddersfield beat West Brom to confirm Leeds United's promotion. When we last spoke, you said you had the weight, a weight of responsibility for conveying such an important moment to all Leeds fans. How do you feel now? <laughs> uh, exhausted <laughs> um, still the same still feeling the weight of responsibility because as we talk there's a little bit of a way to go yet not very far hopefully but uh, it, we've been we've all been involved all the people working on LUTV I think have been uh, have become aware of just how important a link the, the club um, output has become for people and particularly in the case of three matches that we've had that have only been available for anybody to see on LUTV. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't that Sky alternative option there. And at that point, you know that, you know, you are the eyes and ears now. Obviously, there's the, there's the coverage there. But in terms of the, the focus and attention of the Leeds United um, support base, which as we've, well, we knew it already, but we've, we've uh, revisited it in this instance is gl- truly global, you know, unlike, I would say, any other championship mm. club, for sure. And probably unlike many Premier League clubs as well, because we have had people watching everywhere. The seventh uh, most uh, the seventh most um, watched country or the most viewers have come from Argentina recently. So there's that huge wow. extra attention that the club is gathering because of the guy in charge as well there. So there's interest all around the world. And for three games of this little mini-season... All that interest has been has been channeled through the stuff that we've been doing. So that's increased the responsibility. I don't. I think we were kind of vaguely aware as a team of of how big it could be, but um, it's it's more than exceeded expectations on that basis because the figure, the viewing figures, have been fantastic, and and largely the feedback's been fantastic as well. So. It's been an onus responsibility, because, but also a massive privilege to be the only person. I was having this conversation with it, with some of the people um, as we were as we were wrapping up after the uh, after the Barnsley game about how much of an honour it was. Genuinely, we're having this chat about how much of an honour it was to be some of the very few people inside the stadium to see the game. You know, there's literally I don't know what other with stewards and all the rest of it. There's maybe two hundred odd people in there, but I've been lucky enough mm-hmm. to be. The only one I could, we couldn't do Cardiff away. We couldn't get people into the stadium because they've been so tightly controlling access to the stadium for these games. We couldn't get sufficient seats in the in the press box at Cardiff. So we, we had to do that one from Leeds, which was tricky. So after that, we pushed much as hard as possible to get people into the stadium. So I've been lucky enough to be at every game since then. And... Um, and it's been, it's, yeah, it's been a real privilege, to be honest. It's been a real privilege. We just had to make sure we got it right. So... Fingers crossed. Ultimately, when when people sit down and assess 
they'll they'll feel that we did a you know half decent job. And you've had uh, a range of people sitting at the side of you with um, Jermaine and Tony and Matt Jones. Has that that been interesting? Yeah, it's been great. I mean, I've had great people. I was sitting watching the Barnsley game with Tony DeRigo, former England international, on my right-hand side, and Paul Robinson, former England international, on my left-hand side, both of whom are highly experienced broadcasters now. And, you know, I was sitting in the midst of that thinking, this is pretty good, to be fair. I mean, whatever my bit's like, these two guys either side, their input was fantastic. And we've had great input. Every person I've had sitting alongside me has been a slightly different character, has brought something slightly different to the party, if you like. I mean, Matt's analytical skills are fantastic. He's doing his pro license at the moment. Um, And he made a great assessment, an ongoing assessment of the way that that game was going, which I think people enjoyed. Um, And he was very sort of methodical. He'd done all his research, his background and all the rest of it. Jermaine, uh, slightly more off the cuff, but sort of got the passion there, that kind of, you know, that that sort of um, really wanting Leeds to do well. So there's been different characters, different personalities, and they've all hopefully brought something interesting to, to, uh, to the output. By the time this is released, Leeds could be promoted, could be champions, or we could be waiting anxiously for a game against Charlton. How impressed have you been with the form generally during this uh, sort of mini season? It's been it's been uh, outstanding because I, I think this. I mean, I don't know how the players are coping, but for me, it has been it's been hard graft. I mean, we've already discussed it's been an, an honour and a privilege and all that. But my head is just completely full by now. After a month of this, my head is just completely full of Leeds United stuff, permutations. Da da da. How are we gonna? What's gonna? Da da. And watching the games has been, I'd, I'd struggle to say it's been enjoyable. I'm sure it may well have been the same for people sitting at home watching the games as well, because it was all set up for Leeds to fail effectively in a way, because they'd got to that position when lockdown hit, when everyone was on such a high. We talked about it before when I left the stadium after the Huddersfield game, full house, everyone absolutely sort of... Um, just full of enthusiasm and excitement because it really looked like it was going to happen. Then it all stopped. And then the first game, Leeds don't play brilliantly well against Cardiff. And then you start to think, oh, this is going to have a real negative impact. But the way they've picked themselves up from that position and applied themselves to everything that's happened since has been uh, has been pretty incredible because it's something I've, I've mentioned on social media. And some people... Some people get it and some people don't, if you like. But Leeds have been dealt a pretty bad hand here in terms of the fixture scheduling, as far as I'm concerned. Um, because this this playing separately to everybody else is one aspect of it. It's like the psychological aspect, which they've done really, really well with. But the other more straightforward aspect is recovery time or lack of it. Yeah. When you've compressed all these games into sh- such a short space of time, players deserve to have the maximum recovery time between fixtures and, and you know if you look at Leeds in this final run are playing three fixtures in six days so in terms of the, there's an element for me of, of that being a bit unfair because if you're looking at sporting integrity and stuff everybody needs to be playing under the same circumstances particularly in these circumstances and you know with the turnaround times and travel and all the rest of it it just doesn't quite feel like that for Leeds so for them to be able to cope with it so well, I think it's been you know as impressive as anything I've seen. 
definitely had Derby had something to realistically play for and they'd had two extra days within a period where you're playing three games in six days. It's 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 ludicrous. Well, it doesn't seem right. And, and you know, I know when I, everybody knows why it's happening. It's because Leeds mm-hmm. are the most popular side to put on the television. So, hence, you know, Sky are going to make that pick every time at the, you know, in the championship at least. So that's why it's, it's Leeds' popularity that's, that's proving the problem here. But it just, you know, if, if it, uh, listen, it's happened, it's happened. But it's, I'm glad it's not had a, yet had a negative impact because, um, you know, the players, I thought in the Barnsley game, and we're speaking in the aftermath of the Barnsley game, I thought in the Barnsley game for the first time, you saw some, some tired, lead, tired Leeds players. And when I spoke to Patrick Bamford in the aftermath of that particular game, he said as much, you know, he used the word knackered. Um, and it's yeah. no wonder because the way Leeds played, the way they, they'd won the game at Swansea with that incredible run from Ailing in the 89th minute of that mm. game, in this um, compressed spell of loads of matches, to win that game in that manner and then pick yourselves up, go again the following Thursday, then pick yourselves up and go again the following Sunday, and then pick yourselves up and go again the following Wednesday. That's a real challenge, real challenge. So being in this empty stadium, sometimes some of the games that you've watched, not necessarily the Leeds United games, when you've been watching it on the telly, have looked a bit like training games without the atmosphere. Some of them have been more intense. How have you found being in the uh, much-reduced capacity stadium? Weird, completely weird. Just, uh, I mean, the weird bit is when you arrive and walk in and get set up and sit down and all the rest of it. I mean, you, it's weird in a sense because you go and you have a heat check on the way into the stadium. So there's a new thing. You have to fill out a medical sort of um, questionnaire before you before you go in. And then there's nobody there by, you know, half a, well, a sort of small posse of media people, some stewards and the coaching staff. Basically, that's, that's pretty much it, a few directors. So you sit in the midst of silence um, for the entire build-up to the game. And then the game starts. And I must admit, once the game starts, I've found it easier because literally the full focus is on what happens in front of you then. So I guess a little bit like the players, that the outside stuff that you can refer to in commentary and you usually would refer to in commentary, obviously that bit is missing. But there's been so much riding on each and every one of the games that that that. Um, my attention has constantly been drawn by the action, if you like. And then it's really weird at the end. I mean, against Barnsley, at the end of that game there, you can imagine what the scenes would have been like at Ellen Road at full-time in that game. You can imagine what the scenes would have been like at Swansea at full-time in that game. But that's all you can do. You can only imagine it. And that's another strange bit, because obviously the players kind of give each other a pat on the back put the fists in the air, have a wave to somebody in the director's box, and then they walk off. (laughs) That's it. Do you think that the crowd... I've always been maybe dubious or questioned how much the crowd can influence a referee, but there's been a couple of decisions. Maybe the the heavy tackle on Phillips on Sunday where the crowd certainly would have uh, drawn the ref's attention to it. And then the challenge on on Costa by Moat in the Barnsley game. Do you think the, the crowd do have any influence over the referees or am I just imagining yeah. it still? No, I, I think I think there is a, a, a case for that. I think the game's been ref pretty well by and large, but I think there is a case for that um, because it's alert, it alerts the officials to something that's happened. And I think mm. it, 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 they wouldn't be human if they didn't even imperceptibly feed a little bit off the 
the sense of righteous anger they can feel around them in in a stadium, particularly one like Ellen Road, you know, packed to the rafters with yeah. passionate fans, sort of thing. So I think there is a slight element to that. It's really interesting the dynamic. People should study this period. Professional sports, professional football, played out in front of no supporters. There's an incredible psychological study to do here to try and work out what exactly what it is the influence of of the people watching on is on the game. Because I was having a, a an int very interesting chat with Matt Jones, who was saying ahead of the Swansea game that one of Swansea's issues with their home matches, their home form's not very good, not particularly good. And one of the issues he reckons with them is that they like to play a patient counter-attacking game, much like they did at Ellen Road, when they defend well, solidly, and then look for the opportunity on the counter-attack. But they find it difficult to do that at home for a long spell of the game, because after, you know if there's 20 minutes to go and it's still nil-nil and they're still set up like that, the home fans start getting agitated yeah. and that feeds on the players and that he he says he's seen instances where the players make the decision based on their fear of the reaction if they don't do what the fans think they should do so they don't make the decision based on what they they think they should do then the, the, the reaction is key on that basis so uh, I can see an element of that with the Leeds home games to be honest with you as well and I think the Barnsley game was a good case in point because Leeds eventually kind of weathered the storm. As much as they were pinned back in their own half, particularly in the second half, once the chances had, had been created and then missed, they kind of got to grips with it a bit later on. I can only imagine, though, the sense of panic that would have set in amongst the fan mm. base if, they were, if they were the mass ranks were watching that one there. So how would that have communicated itself to the players? What pressure might that have put on them in those, in those circumstances? So it's been really interesting to, as a study um, I just hope we never go through it again, that's all. Absolutely. Despite the fact that there's been no fans there, it hasn't stopped you from creating probably a couple of iconic commentary moments during this time. I'm thinking Calvin Phillips' free kick and uh, at Blackburn and uh, Swansea, the Hernandez, a goal, a goal, a goal, a goal. So we'll... What do you think when you look back at those? They've been uh, sort of... <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's been lovely. Um, it's been lovely, but there's no science involved in this and there's no pre-planning involved in this. There, There is... I, I promise it's spontaneity. I'm not one of those people, I'm not one of those commentators who would sit and make notes in advance and if this happens, I'm going to say this. It doesn't work like that for me. So I'll just... I'll kind of call it as I see it and then whatever stuff comes into my head at the time is what's going to come out my mouth as well. It's the first time I think I've ever commentated on a goal, the Swansea goal, where I actually had my hands in the air above my head as the, as the ball, like punching the air as the ball went in. Because, like I said a, a moment ago, there's been tremendous pressure for everybody on this run of games and that applies to everybody like kind of covering the games. Well, you know, we're covering on the club's behalf here, so there has been pressure. You know, we have a sense that the way that the things work out for Leeds United in future, you know, there's been a potential fork in the road here. So promotion, Premier League is turn right, looking good. Staying in the championship is turning left, tricky times potentially. So if you're aware of that, there's an added element to all of it, you know, that to do everything, that there's, there's a lot riding on it. <laughs> there's been a lot riding on it. So when you get to that moment that you want to see, you know, you're, not, you're one minute away from what would be a, not a bad point, but in the great scheme of things, 
my thought my thoughts are if Leeds only get a point from this, that puts more pressure on the next game. There was already enough yeah. pressure on the next game, and now there's more pressure on the next game. And oh no, he scored. We're okay. It's okay. Everything's okay again. And that's the that's the I think that's probably underpinned pretty much everything I've I've done for the last few weeks. Do you notice when you're in the ground at that? I mean, I've heard Phil Hay say that he did similar and that press box etiquette kind of went out of the uh, out of the window. I've I've seen reported that Victor Orta is quite loud. Are you aware of people like that creating any kind of mini atmosphere in the ground? Yes, a little bit. Yeah, like when players and the Leeds players, Leeds have always got a decent sort of turnout of, of directors or, or staff or whatever there. Mm. And so when players get substituted, they get clapped off by the people who are usually sitting somewhere in, in proximity to where we're working from. So you do hear that aspect of it. Um, and uh, then there's been a weird thing going on where sometimes there's crowd noise played and some places have done it and other places haven't done it. So you've got that occasional sort of um, bit of ambience, um, PA ambient crowd noise stuff going on as well. Um, so, so yeah, you, you get a little bit of a, of a, a sort of, a little bit of a sense of of a crowd off that, but it's it's fleeting in its in, you know in the way it goes, and you you do get snatches of what's coming up from the technical area in particular as well. Um, so you've got different sounds going on all the time. What you haven't got is that great mass, that great wall of noise that you would have anticipated for the, for these fixtures, and that's missing. You know that, that there's no question about it. Let's not beat around the bush. That is. That is, the, the, the live spectacle is completely devalued by the fact there's nobody in there watching it. Professional sport, professional football is professional because people pay to come and watch it. So if you remove that element from it, I'm not saying it's pointless, but it's not the same thing anymore. But we understand the reasons why it's happened. So at some point, somebody needs to work out a plan now to ensure that this doesn't carry on for too much longer. However, that... However, that manifests itself, obviously reduced capacities, testing, da 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 people checked on the way in, whatever it might be, you've got to get people back in the stadiums. Uh, I mean, the, the biggest disappointment of all this will hopefully be when the big moment comes that there, you, know, you can't celebrate collectively. On the Swansea game, I think you said the word tense about 50 times in the second <laughs> half. Wasn't so it having not? said all that, no, God. And you were conveying what we were all feeling. But having said all that and nerves, I think Matthew wants to know this particularly. Can you claim to not be a Leeds fan? I can. I can claim to. I can claim to be it. But I don't know. Is there another region where you can be something that is? I mean, my football club is Wrexham, so you support your football club, don't you? Yeah. As tough as that is at the moment. But um, I, 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 I probably exist in a slightly different place because. Having been around Leeds United now, I've been in the city for 25 years. Having been around Leeds United for the, all of that time, basically around the club, doing more or less in terms of what my involvement was with them at, at any one time. And having countless mates who are Leeds United fans and, and you know, mm. season ticket holders and all the rest of it, you can't not pick up on the vibe. Uh, that would be, you know, that would be weird if I, if I wasn't uh, feeling it kind of thing. So on there, even if I'm feeling it on their behalf, I'm definitely, I'm definitely, I'm definitely feeling it. So when we're talking about being tense in that Swansea game, that was, you know, I couldn't do that if I was commentating on Sky or, um, you know, Five Live or whatever. I couldn't talk yeah. in that way because I'd have to be aware of of the fact that there are Swansea people watching this as well. Yeah. So, so 
it, um, it can be different. LUTV can be different. It can be from a slightly different perspective. It, I, I wouldn't do it from the perspective of being kind of ranting and, and um, uh, what you might say was like kind of completely one-eyed in terms of what leads are doing. I think it's got to be, there has to be a balance there. But you can celebrate it when it goes well, and you need to celebrate it when it goes well because the people watching expect that. You know, you're like we said right at the outset. I've been the luckiest guy to be there to do it, to be watching it on everybody else's behalf. I mean, incredible privilege, really. I think feeling the vibe, we'll go with that. That's that's about the same thing. So, <laughs> with this kind of new audience that LUTV may have had during this time. And the big ones, probably for, for every game, but certainly for those three on Sky uh, that weren't on Sky, I would say LUTV have got plaudits for. In the past, there's been times when the coverage, the capacity to put all the streams out to all the people, has yeah. been really stretched and hasn't worked. So people were nervous going into this. Yeah, but it's held. <laughs> yes, up. they were, and it's held up and more than held up. So, are there any exciting plans that you know of moving forwards towards the new season? For yeah, LUTV. Well, let's look back first because you make some interesting points there. I mean, I'm new to this LUTV kind of concept. You know, I've been doing other things up until the start of, of this season. So I kind of picked up on the vibe and I, and I, I sensed the neg- a degree of negativity. You know, the perception about LUTV was, as you described there, that this thing was, was um, a bit flaky in terms of the, the software, if you like, that it wasn't guaranteed so people would go anywhere else and seek any other source other than LUTV. So they scour the internet for streams and all the rest of it and VPNs yeah. and all that bit going on. They'd even watch, which is I me, mean, I found incredible, they'd watch the other club's coverage rather than yeah. rather than um, go with LUTV. So I think there's been an... Uh, what had happened that people probably haven't picked up on was that the, the club moved to a different platform, not part of the I follow set with the Football League. They moved to their... They found another platform, and the people who provide the platform work with the big clubs like Barcelona and Liverpool and people like that. So they went to the place that they thought offered the best opportunity to, to secure the service. And so all the way through the season, I think, as far as I'm aware, it's worked really well. The problem is you, we were working against the perception built up in the past yeah. and the memory lingered on. And because you don't get vast numbers, um, we get a lot of the audio uh, coverage tends to do as well as the visual coverage during the football season in normal circumstances. So you get people who will listen to it and they'll, they'll, they'll hear it all the way through. So that's fine for them. But... The, the challenge, you could not, if you wanted to challenge the system, you could not have created a better scenario than we've seen in the last few weeks, whereby LUTV becomes the sole provider of these crucially important football matches for a massive global fan base. You could not, have, you know, in the context of anything, it couldn't have been more challenging than that. But also, consequently, as we've seen, when people come on, and they've paid their money and the thing works and there's a build-up and there's post-match and all the rest of it, and it kind of looks okay and it kind of sounds okay, then that perception has started to change and we've seen it and the viewing figures, we've broken the record for viewing figures with each of those successive games that we've done exclusively. So the figures have gone up and up and up and the figures are big figures. So, you know, that um, Leeds had... Um, in, uh, the total viewing figures for the Swansea game were considerably in excess of the combined total for the championship. 
you know, like four times bigger than the combined total wow. of all the other championship clubs. So you get a real sense of the size of what we've got here at Leeds United in terms of that fan base. You've got a sense of what you can do with the products okay and you present it to people in the right way. They'll, they'll come and watch. And that, taking it onto the, the point you started with, is the exciting thing looking forward, hopefully, is that now there's a, a real sense that we can make this thing really, really good, hopefully. I say we, I have no idea what I'm going to be involved in it, by the way, because we haven't had that conversation yet. But um, I, I think the people who uh, behind the scenes at LUTV have a real sense. that uh, It's great. When you walk in, the, in our little office thing there now, you get that real buzz, that little sense of excitement, because these people have had a lot of time where they've been kind of fielding criticism because of this perception thing, I think, about, about the service, yeah. rightly or wrongly. But what's happened over the last few weeks has given everybody a massive, massive lift because the feedback mm. has been so positive and so encouraging. And people are feeding off that now and they want to push it and they want to make it better and they want to take it further. So there's a great opportunity, hopefully presents itself in the next week or so, to take it on and do more with it because that is the expectation at Premier League level. And that's what clubs, clubs at Premier League level have massive media departments now. They're production companies, mm. football clubs now. You know, they, they're employing people, huge numbers on the social media side. So you think about Leeds United with a Spanish social media feed, for instance, to exploit that stuff we were talking about yeah. with Argentina. But you can do programming every day of the week you know it, there's eyes on from all over the world at premier league level so it offers a massive opportunity so hopefully lutv will be in place to to make the most of that brilliant well it's exciting times for everybody involved with the football club and as i said not entirely sure when this will go out so you might be listening and you might be uh, over the moon or you might be biting your nails down to whatever's left of them but i'd just like to say thank you Bryn. For, well, for delivering us those games and for um, for having, taking the time to have a chat with us this morning. And hopefully next time the season comes around, there'll be a few more people in the ground to share it with you. Oh, absolutely. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me on. And for everybody who's watched, hope we got it right. And um, well, thanks for tuning in, as they say. And uh, the next time you see me, I may well be lying in the midst of a lot of empty bottles of beer. Fingers crossed. I think that'll be a few of us. Right, cheers for that, Brent. Pleasure. Bryn Law's got some gig, hasn't he? He's a lucky boy. I'm just, so jealous of him. Do you know what, as well, to say that he's uh, he's openly admitted that through these tough times he's struggled uh, with the lack of work he's had on, it couldn't happen to a better bloke and a more iconic Leeds United commentator in my book. And as Paul's always saying, football's cyclic, so Bryn Law was the commentator right at the start of uh, our Leeds United lives and... Uh, commentated on the latest chapter as and I well. I think Bryn loves being pointed out that we were children when he started commentating on uh, <laughs> for Leeds United but it's always a pleasure having a catch up with Bryn and you could sense that bit of excitement and I know that Bryn knows exactly how lucky he is being part of this and uh, it was literally seven or eight hours before we got promoted. Good luck happens to good people who are in the right place doing the right things and He's a very talented man, so he shouldn't class himself as lucky. It's not lost on Bryn that um, he started his journey out with Norman and when we spoke to him earlier during lockdown, just how sad he was about that. So the fact that people have had something so big to celebrate is an absolutely beautiful moment. Thanks ever so much to Bryn for uh, coming on the podcast again. We'll be back on Wednesday for our last 
ever championship game. Yes. Or you could call it our second pre-season friendly as a Premier League club. That too. Either way, we'll be back then. See you soon. Network.